Whipper. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. So you know how to walk. You know how to dance. You ever dance with the devil in the to another episode of the LDC podcast and today on the show I have one of the contributors to LDC, David Linares Diaz uh, and David is a PhD student at, of contemporary Latin American literature uh, with a focus on Caribbean uh, at the University of Maryland College Park. Uh, he was also born and raised in Cuba. Uh, he's a teacher of Cuban dancing uh, for over five years, held workshops, went to cities like Atlanta, Boston, Baltimore, New York, D.C. Um, he also is the editor of Son y Casino, which is a blog dedicated to both Cuban dance of casino and Son music. Um, so check out that page. And David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob. I'm very glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, what I want to talk about today is your recent article that came out. And you certainly, after reading your bio, uh, makes sense that you are the guy to write this. I mean, if anyone has a perspective on this, you definitely should. So I would like for anyone who may have not read the article, which we will link up to in the show notes, the title of it is called Cuban Music, uh, To Be or Not to Be Played for Salsa Dancers. Um, David, if you want to just give us a little bit of background on the the post before we go in depth with some of the points that you bring up, maybe just the thesis of what you wrote about. All right, well, uh, in short, the thesis of the article is that um, the Cuban music uh, is, is not just uh, think timba, which a lot of people are referring to as, as Cuban music nowadays, but it could also be so many other things. Uh, and it is, again, it's just not um, uh, monotone, monolithic. Uh, and what the, art, the article is arguing is that um, the salsa scene, salsa dancers, salsa DJs, they can play and they can dance to Cuban music uh, as long as the music uh, is uh, in part with what they like. Uh, it doesn't have to be radically different than what they like, you know, uh, uh, aka timba, it doesn't have to be that. But it's also Cuban music that is very much in part with the likes of uh, dancers and DJs alike in the, in the South scene. And I am just essentially just proposing ways of, of introducing that part of Cuban music into uh, the South scene. So this strikes very much at home with me because here in Gainesville, where I teach, I teach at the Gator Salsa Club. And we we teach L.A., but we also teach casino. And a lot of times when I go out to the socials that we put on, the DJ is a casino DJ. So it's a lot of casino music. It's that timba stuff, which I'll be honest, I, I really don't enjoy dancing to. So what you mentioned there in the article about that, how salsa dancers don't really like dancing to what we think of as casino music and, and Cuban music. That is absolutely true, at least with me and a lot of my New York style, LA style friends that I know. It just doesn't really, like you said, feel the same way. Um, and I didn't even know that there was another style of what you could consider Cuban music. I was, I was really surprised. For those of you who haven't read the article, check it out because he links up to several videos and songs that are, you know, Cuban music, but they're not timba. They're, they're not even close. So tell me just a little bit more of the history of like where those songs are coming from as far as when they were uh, originally came out, why they sound different, why they sound like like we as LA and New York style dancers like to dance to those. Because you're right, if those were playing at congresses, I would love dancing to those. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it really goes back to uh, the whole salsa versus song debate, you know, which you may or may have not heard. 
uh, or read online. You know, people talking about, well, salsa music from New York is nothing but a rehash of Cuban music. You know, you, you heard those stories, and, and you heard people talking about that. Uh, and it, 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 there, is, there is some grounds to that. I mean, uh, I would say that definitely what happened in New York was different uh, than the music that was produced in Cuba, but there is also grounds to say that the music really does go back to Cuba in some way. And so um, the, the reason that it sounds different is because it's coming back to the Son Montuno that Arsenio Rodriguez uh, created around the 1940s. And after the, the Son Montuno was created, the Son Montuno was created with the within the conjunto format, and so that added more horns, like from the horn section, uh, added the, the conga, uh, it added cowbell, and, and later on it added the timbal. And so that way of playing uh, some music in Cuba uh, became very popular in the 50s, and then that sort of uh, uh, playing also then became popular in New York. Uh, of course, they added their own things based on you know their own idiosyncrasies and whatnot. But that is why it sounds so similar, because the, the, the sound of the conjunto is, is really what, what, what you're hearing. Hmm. So then what happened in, not so much the 50s, but what happened in the 60s? Why did Cuba maybe play a smaller role in this versus Puerto Rico and Colombia as far as the musical influence? Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was, you know, we had the embargo. 1969, Castro comes in, power, and in 1962, uh, there is an embargo put in, and so what that means for Cuban music and for Cuban culture in general within the United States context is that that stuff stops getting uh, imported into the United States, and so there is less collaboration. Um, before, before the revolution, for example, uh, every Cuban musician that wanted to record had to come to, to New York to record because the, the, the recording studios uh, were actually there. There was no recording studio in Cuba. Uh, so there is, it is no coincidence that New York is such a, 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 um, an iconic city when it comes to salsa music. Because everybody was coming to New York to record. Um, so what happened after 1959 with the embargo is that uh, music stopped being imported. Um, and of course, the people in New York um, kept doing what they were always doing, what they have been doing for a long time. Uh, and, uh, you know, we didn't know what happened in Cuba for a long time either. And so, uh, but in Cuba, things kind of went their own way, uh, especially after the musical revolution of the 60s and whatnot, they, they also had an influence uh, in Cuban music. And, and, you know, when you get to the 90s, that's when you see that trajectory. But be, between 1960 and 1990s, there's a lot of stuff happening that we really don't know about. But the sound that we, come, that we kind of associated with, with Cuban music, uh, the 90s sound, it is also then the 50s sound, which that's the one that I, that I use for uh, this blog, for this blog post, which again, it sounds more similar to what Salceros and Mambero Samo used to dance into. Right. And uh, it reminds me when I was listening to the music, one of my favorite salsa dancers is Adolfo. And when you watch a lot of the videos that, that I just enjoy the most of him dancing, he's dancing to music very similar to what you link to. It may not be the same genre. It may be like pachanga. It may be something similar, but maybe not exactly what you link to. But that's what I thought immediately. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the kind of music that, you know, hardcore on two dancers would dance to. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Uh, and, I mean, talking, talking about on two and, and mambo, you know, it, you know, like 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 I bring uh, up in, in the blog, there is a lot of uh, Cuban musical terms that are being used in the salsa community, and we may or may not know that they are actually from Cuba, and that's another argument that I'm making. 
that you know Cuba is there whether people know it or not you know whether know it Cuba is there and, and starting with the with the music with the instruments that are playing in the songs and with the terms that we use themselves because mambo is a term from the Cuban musical tradition because mambo was a musical genre of the 1950s are, are there a few more examples you can give of terminology that we use all the time in salsa and the music or the dance that originates from Cuba? Yeah, for example, cha-cha. Uh, cha-cha is uh, short for cha-cha-cha. And cha-cha-cha was a musical genre created by uh, Maso, uh, by Enrique Jorrin uh, in, the 19, in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, I, in the mambo scene, I also hear a lot of the World War I go. And Wawanko really goes back to the rumba tradition in Cuba. Rumba has three subsets. Uh, they have the rumba Colombia, the rumba Wawanko, and the rumba Yambu. And so a lot of people say, well, I hear the Wawanko a lot in South America. I say, yeah, sure. But that's because the, the, what they did was that they uh, took the, the, um, the, the way they played the Wawanko and they incorporated that way into what was song music at the time and then became South music was uh, titled salsa music later. And so a lot of people, even they're playing salsa, they say, oh, listen to my wow call, listen to my wow call. That's because uh, the way that they're playing it is uh, that they're taking from the wow call tradition. Hmm. Well, what, what you mentioned about cha-cha, that's very interesting uh -huh. because I, I saw a documentary. It was the Latin Dance in the USA, I believe it was, by PBS. It was put out by, and they talked about cha-cha when cha-cha came out in, I believe it was the late 50s or whenever it was in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And yeah. at first, salsa dancers would, would look, or mambo dancers would look at the cha-cha and they said, oh, this is an easy dance. This is for the beginners because it's so slow. And they almost looked down on cha-cha. That's, that's for the other guys, like they're the ones that were just starting out. And I found that very humorous because now people look at cha-cha as the tough dance. You know, those... That's the advanced dancers that dance cha-cha. If you're just starting out with salsa, you don't even think about learning the cha-cha until you, you've got the salsa basic steps down. So it's funny how that seems at least to have flipped. I don't know if you were familiar with that perception from the 50s. Oh, I, was, I, was, I wasn't. As a matter of fact, well, coming from the Cuban perception, uh, the cha-cha-cha, it's kind of like a dead dance in Cuba now, to be honest. I mean, there is very, very few people actually know how to dance a whole song cha-cha-cha on their own because it hasn't been passed down um so you know mm -hmm. the social community at least they they have their their thing going and they, they dance the cha-cha um and definitely the, i would say that the same thing will be will be said for cha-cha-cha in the cuban side and people will be like i don't i don't know how to dance to this it's very difficult um mm -hmm. but yeah definitely there is a correlation there mm -hmm. so then where do you draw the line because the the post made the argument that listen Cuba and Cuban music is so was so critical to the growth of salsa. It's still used as fundamentally part of salsa that we should play the Cuban music. Where where does that line draw, right? Why? why you, and I think you already talked a lot about this, but I, I want to hear one more time. What's the thesis of why Cuban music should be played more? Why, if if I'm a DJ listening to us talk right now, make the case again in you know a sense or two, like. Why is that we should be playing some kind of Cuban music at every Congress that we go to, every salsa that we uh, salsa time that we dance at a social? Okay, well, um, pretty simple. Uh, every every article that you read online, any book that you read on salsa music, every one of them will, in one way or another, go back to Cuba, uh, or it will mention it. 
Um, but it's always uh, two countries that uh, in the narrative of culture come together, Cuba and Puerto Rico. And then New York is the meeting point. But Cuba is always part of the narrative. Um, and that will be for starters. The other thing is that um, we have uh, the vocabulary that I've talked about. There's a lot of vocabulary that we're using in our dance, uh, as dancers or as, or as DJs or as musicians that, that actually goes back to Cuba. Uh, and there is also um, music that sounds, uh, you know, something uh, like something that we could dance to. Uh, the, 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 the main argument of the, of the article is that there is a lot of film music out there that because we've been so primed to believe that all we listen to is timba and timba and timba, we're not looking at because of, of that dichotomy. You know, it's either timba or salsa. So there is nothing before that. And so if you, but again, if you were to look at the production of film music from the 40s, from the 50s, and even the 60s, you'll find a lot of, a lot of uh, meeting points with the music that mambo dancers and salsa dancers dance to. And I think that, you know, it, 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 it makes sense to include Cuba. Uh, if we see Cuba music outside of the timba paradigm, if we see it as something that salsa dancers and mambo dancers can relate to, and that uh, they, you know, like you said, like you listen to it, like, oh, I, I can move to this, I can dance to this stuff, because it sounds, if you go, it, it's in part with your preferences, it's in part with what you like. Um, and that's also pure music, you know, it's music from pure musicians, not just timba. So, mm. I'll, so the, the, my, my case would be again, Cuba is has always been part of the picture, um, whether whether people know it or not. Yeah, it's always been part of the picture. There is no book, there is no article about salsa that, that does not mention Cuba in one way or another. Uh, in the, the we, we have borrowed music as genres uh, from Cuba and we use it in the salsa. Again, mambo, cha cha cha. The word conga, that's a Cuban drum, that's actually not African. Conga is a Cuban drum. Uh, we can go back to Guajira. We can go back to uh, words like uh, Guaracha, Pachanga, Wawanko, Montuno. All these things, Traore, all those things <laughs> go back to the musical, Cuban musical tradition. Um, but some re for some reason, Cuba is absent from salsa socials and salsa DJs playlists. And, and, and again, I understand why, because they see it as timba. That's fine. But again, there is a lot of stuff that came before that, that uh, because we perceive Cuban music as timba, we're not looking at or we don't know about. And so this article is sort of a way to say, hey, look, here's stuff that you actually could listen to, could dance to. It's actually very in part with what you, um, what you like, and it's not timba. It's actually from Cuba. So that would be my argument. And, and I agree with everything you said. One other point I would make is that the... The, one of the big reasons why people salsa dance is the community. We have this truly global community. You could go anywhere on earth and find salsa dancers who share this common set of values and beliefs. And the strength of that community is very much driven by our knowledge of the history of what that community came from. And if you're not playing Cuban music of some sort, then you're missing out on a big part of your history. As, as everyone who dances salsa and dances cha-cha and dances in this community, if we don't understand Cuban music and Puerto Rican music and Colombian music, then it's like we're missing one big aspect of ourselves. It's like not knowing who our, our grandfather was or our great-grandfather was. We're just not getting that more three-dimensional view and that 
making a stronger community and also I believe making us better dancers. The more kinds of dances that we can dance to and are exposed to and learning different sounds and combinations and rhythms, all of that is kind of being missed out by this generation of, of salsa dancers with how we how we dance. I, I agree. I completely agree. And in fact one of the things that I strive to do in my own workshops when I teach is that I when I when I teach casinos to my to my dancers, to, to people that want to take workshops with me. One of the things I do is I, I make sure that I play for every song from people that I play, I play a song from, from another country. So they, they, so they, so they, they can see how what they dance can fit into, uh, into the music in general. And, 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 they don't, and, and so that they don't see uh, such a dichotomous, they don't have such a dichotomous view of music. It's either this thing or this thing, and nothing in between. You know, I, I, I try to, to, uh, to uh, erode a little bit of, of that. Uh, that economy and, and that binary that I think is very hurtful because again, you know, it, what it's doing is it's, it's giving us a very one-sided perception of music and not allowing us to understand what came before or how or, or how those things are happening now and relate to one another because again, we don't have we don't have a knowledge of the history. Well, David, it's a powerful article, but it's also a powerful article with a call to action of, listen, here is music that you should try that is Cuban. And I think that's the biggest takeaway of, of this conversation is, yes, Cuban music, it's not being played a lot, but listen, here's something you should try. And then you've valued a lot of important resources. They're linked up to those YouTube videos that people can listen to. Um, and I want to just end today's conversation with understanding how for people who are interested in in this stuff besides your blog where else can they go are there certain documentaries that you think are especially beneficial i'm a documentary junkie so i always enjoy the documentaries but also other websites other places that you i mean again you you're in academia doing your phd in this stuff so uh, where where do you go for this knowledge where do you think are really good resources uh, well, uh, there are there is a one book that I always recommend. Uh, it's actually written in English and it's quite extensive. It's called Cuba and its Music, and it's written by Ned Toblet. And uh, this book uh, actually gives you like a thorough history of of Cuban music. Uh, and what it really, what it really does is when you get to the part of of the night of the 20th century and uh, the 40s and the 50s, it, it gives you tons of examples uh, and tons of songs to look at. And in the age of YouTube, anybody can get a hold of these things, and, and, and I'm sure a lot of a lot of these things are also uh, online on, I, on iTunes and, and Amazon.com. The, the the bad thing about this though is the recording quality. Not all of the songs that were recorded back then have very uh, good recording uh, quality. So that's that's the only um, back uh, back side, not back side, but that's, that's the only problem I would say with, with a lot of the music from back then. But a lot of the also a lot of the bands that were playing back then also have, have more uh, the, the, the like uh, the family members of the, of the original members uh, remade the band and they're playing the same song for just with a more modern sound. Mm. So there there also uh, 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 examples of that like for example, uh, Conjunto Casino had has a not Conjunto Casino but um, Chapotin uh, uh, had a more uh, has a more modern band now because of the people that kind of. Uh, were part of the family and now are playing again. So uh, things like that you can definitely look up. But there's this book that I always recommend. And uh, when I was in the club, with all the problems that it has, with all the, 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 the things that it, it tries to exoticize, uh, it, it is a, also a good starting point as to what musicians to look at. Um, because 
you know, they portray them as older people now, but when they were young, they were, they were making really, really good music. Mm. And uh, definitely Celia Cruz. <laughs> that one, before, before she came to New York, she was making a lot of good music, especially with Sonora Matancera. Celia Cruz, La Guarachera de Rua, um, she was making very, very good music and, and has really good uh, sound too. So definitely check out, check, check her out, check the book out. And, if, and again, if you like the documentaries, and I was social club, it's a good starting point as to uh, what musicians to look for uh, for uh, from back then because essentially that's, 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 they, they were famous back then. Uh, so, so yeah, I would say those are good starting points. Good, and I would be remiss if I did not mention that the big three, right? And most people know the first two of the big three, but they don't know the third. So most people know the two Titos, Tito Rodriguez and Tito Puente, but they don't know Machito, which if I'm not mistaken, is from Cuba. So uh, yeah, you know, exactly. looking at a little bit of history on that as well, these were the big three that were com coming up in the 50s that really put, uh, would it be, would it have been Mambo or was it, uh, I, I don't know if there was a different terminology that they used, but I know that those were the big three in the New York scene as this stuff was just blowing up in the times that, that we've been referencing. So uh, for yeah, anyone who wants definitely. to listen to less like Google, Google some of that stuff too. Yeah, and 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 essentially, we mentioned there is a lot of there is a lot of things you can find out there. I mean, you just have to look. You 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 do one name, and then one name will take you to another name, and then the other name will take you to another name because everybody was collaborating at that time. Uh, so the music is uh, the, the music is there. Uh, the thing is, you just have to look for it. Uh, the book again, the book that I that, that I mentioned is a really good starting point. When I the club documentary, is a good starting point. Celia Cruz for those who already like her, um, you know, it's a good starting point as well. Uh, and you know, from those videos, if you go to the YouTube link for the video that I on the videos that I posted, they will have suggested videos as well, and then you know you can go and click on them, uh, and they will give you links to to all the music. Great. Well, David, before we end here today, what is the best way for our listeners to get in contact with you if they have questions, if they have comments based upon today's podcast? Uh, if they have comments or questions, uh, they can email me at uh, David Linares, his first name and last name, David Linares at yahoo.com, or um, they can, uh, you know, go go to my blog and try to contact me through there. I, I strongly recommend that they, they do that as well because what I do with my blog is that I try to, to give. I, I write for for like a Cuban dance audience, so my articles are a little bit different uh, than what I would write for OBC. So, but definitely my email, David Linares. Uh, yahoo.com will be the best way to contact you. Great. Well, David, thank you so much for the time here today. I hope that everyone enjoyed the podcast episode here and hope to see you again soon. I mean, I thank you so much. I enjoyed it a lot. And again, thank you for the opportunity, Rob. Que te agarres, pa' que te suba.